Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Crowded Booth Podcast. We continue our trip through the SEC, staying in the last year of what is going to be known as the SEC West. We're with Ole Miss, Stephen Willis of the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. Stephen, appreciate you coming on today and talking about the Rebels. Oh, anytime, Bryce, man. I'm glad to be here. Well, listen, it's a team that in Ole Miss last season uh, started off 7-0, and uh, slipped a little bit, obviously, at the end of the season, but they've got some things to be excited about here in 2023. Uh, and I wanted to get the first question out of the way here. You obviously do the daily show with Locked On Ole Miss. you got a good temperature of this fan base. How's the fan base feeling coming into 2023? What are the concerns? What are they excited about? And uh, you know, what's it look like as this team gets ready to head in and roll into 2023? Well, I think there's a large segment of the fan base that's kind of like um, – the typical Ole Miss beaten down fan base from the 80s and 90s that go through that no matter what next year is going to be worse than what just happened. It, it, it just happens. There's that group of people. But then I think as the situ- season has gotten a little bit closer, they see the transfers and it's like, hey, you have the best running back in the country. You have potentially the best quarterback room in the country. You have a wide receiver that PFS just ran it in the 24, 24 um, NFL prospects list, top 10. And all of a sudden, they just realized, hey, this offense has a chance to be really explosive. That's not even to say anything about four out of the five offensive line starters are back. And people started to look at this offense as a chance. It could be really good if Jackson Dart takes that step that we all think he's going to take. And so far this spring and everything, he's he's been doing that. He turned the ball over one time in the spring and this offense looks like it has a chance to be more explosive than it was for Matt Corral in 2020. When you look at this offense, obviously quarterback stands out what they did through the portal, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard from LSU. But you mentioned obviously Jackson Dart. Is this a case where this battle is still going in your opinion? And if it is going, uh, do you feel like Jackson Dart's the guy that's going to start that week one game? Yeah, I think I'm going to answer this this way. Um, I do think the quarterback competition is going. There's still a little bit of water that needs to flow under the bridge. But I do think ultimately Jackson Dart is going to be the quarterback of this team. He, Whenever it's all set and decided, he will be the guy taking snaps against Mercer. Now, I've, I've equated this to Mike Tyson's punch-out, Jackson Dart's quarterback career. And it started out his first year at USC at a quarterback competition there. That's that's him fighting Piston Honda. And then last year was against um, Luke Altmaier. That was bald bull. Now this year, he's up like super macho man. And he's working towards that final boss to, to defeat mm-hmm. the game. But nobody has beaten out Jackson Dart in a situation like this. This isn't a Joe Milton situation to where he's lost the starting job twice. Um Jackson Dart has risen to the occasion every time. That's one of the reasons I think he's going to be the quarterback. Obviously, a lot of talent in that room, but they've got one of the better backs, and to me, one of the best backs in the country, Quinson Judkins. Uh, With Judkins here, I mean, look, does the offense revolve around him? I mean, is this a guy they're going to give the ball to as many touches they can get a game? What does the plan and maybe what should it look like for Mr. Judkins in 2023? I think everybody remembers what Ole Miss football was last year running the ball. They were third nationally running the football last season, and that was Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins. And Judkins had nearly 1,600 yards, and only Herschel Walker had a better true freshman season in the SEC than Quinshawn Judkins. This year, I think it might tweak as as good as Quinshawn Judkins is. And don't forget about Ulysses Bentley IV coming in and backing up. He had a broken 
wrist last week, but it, you, you remember him last year against Georgia Tech. And yeah. I don't think this offense is going to look like it did last year. And, and the reason I think that is I think they want to kind of spread off some t um, carries off of Quinshawn Judkins, maybe replace those touches with inside runs in the passing game to where he doesn't get as beat up because – the dirty little secret at the end of last season that nobody wants to talk about, the two games that um, Ole Miss was really in before all the Lane Kiffin-Auburn stuff started, but the mm -hmm. Alabama game and the LSU game, Zach Evans wasn't a factor in either of those games. So Quinshawn mm -hmm. was the sole toter of the male in that Ole Miss offense. And in fourth quarter, in the second half, it, it just wore down a bit. And – I think Lane Kiffin sees that. He's going to try to adjust that. He's got some contested catches, catch winners in Zachary Franklin and Trey Harris at the wide receiver position. He's got Caden Priestcorn, who's a middle-of-the-field monster, if you look at his PFF zones on um, receiving depth. It, it, it's all designed to make that effective in the offense and to get back to I refer to Ole Miss's offense as a offense that tortures linebackers. And when mm. it's going, when it's really humming, the linebackers just can't be right. But at the end of last season, the linebackers didn't have to think much. Quinshawn was going to get the job and nothing really was going to happen to the wide side. Nothing was going to happen behind him. I think Lane Kiffin's going to want to get back to that. You mentioned, obviously, Trey Harris, that all-conference USA pick for Louisiana Tech, comes through in the portal. Um you mentioned, obviously, this offense humming. What are some names that you're watching that maybe uh, the casual fan, the fans of our show, maybe don't know on that roster yet that could make an impact, whether it's up front on that offensive line, whether it's at the receiver position? What are some names that you're saying, hey, we need to watch this guy because he could be the difference maker in getting this offense back to where they need to be? Yeah, there's – there's probably three receivers, and one of which you're familiar with because he played against Georgia Tech last year, and that was that is Jordan Watkins. Mm -hmm. uh, I th I think that position in the slot position between him and Michael Trigg, because I do think Michael Trigg is going to move out, and they're going to use him similar to the way Brock Bowers was used at Georgia, at from time to time. Uh, I think that area you need to look at. But as far as newcomers go, Caden Priestcorn, that middle of the field monster, um, because with Michael. Corey Franklin, the transfer from UTSA, this is a receiver that rewrote the receiving record book at UTSA. Mm -hmm. And they won 10 games last year, and a lot of it was because of him. He he is a slightly undersized outside wide receiver, but he is a terrific contested catch maker, and he usually wins the ball in traffic. And his bigger games that he had in his career was against, like, Texas. It was against D1 op, uh, opponents. So it, that is a name that I think you could flash, especially with Jackson Dart wanting to get the ball outside the numbers and that kind of being his preference. I've talked about this on our LSU show, that one of the keys for LSU is going to be Jaden Daniels being more comfortable and being more explosive, taking some of those chances. Is that something Jackson Dart, if he is the starter in this situation, needs to be? Does he need to try to go for more explosive plays? Or what is the recipe for success for him? The recipe for success for Jackson Dart is just using the whole field. He does not need to get for explosive plays. In fact, part of his problem last year was waiting in those RPO games and holding the ball a little bit too long to try and get explosive plays. That kind of put him in problems from time to time. 
if he just uses the whole field, the athletes at his disposal, and with the fact that you have Quinshawn obviously in the backfield, you have a chance to where, like I said, you can really affect those linebackers in the game. I think the Jet Sweep game is going to be back in. We had a snapping problem last year. That comes back in. That takes care of the side-to-side. I think this offense has a chance to be really good, and Jackson Dart honestly just needs to run the offense. If Jackson Dart decides to have an A.J. McCarron-type season to where he's just managing the game, um, Ole Miss's offense could be the best in school history. He does not have to be special. Wow, I like that. Obviously, it goes with the scheme, too, that Kiffin has and his ability to call plays as well. Uh, Let's switch it over to the defensive side of the football where, once again, got off to a great start last season. Over those final seven games, they gave up an average around 35 points per game. Steven, it's a defense that that's kind of been some of the conversation with Lane Kiffin coach teams. If the defense can do just enough, they're going to have a great season. They bring in Pete Golding. What are your early returns on what you've seen, what you've heard of Golding in this defense, and what can Ole Miss fans expect to see under a Pete Golding defense? Man, um, that John Haycock Iowa State defense lasted about two years in the Southeastern Conference. Um, <laughs> DJ Durkin, I think, is the only coach that is still running it, although I do think he's going to change that up a little bit. But basically last year against Vanderbilt, and it's weird to think that it happened against Vanderbilt, but it did happen against Vanderbilt, uh, to where they figured out how to attack that defense, and then everybody attacked that defense the same way moving forward. And it just got to the point where you didn't necessarily um, have the ability to stop it. You know, whenever Mississippi State running the air raid, they're deciding to run the ball more than pass the ball. That should be a warning to what is going on. Now, Pete Golden coming in, he I do say he has an interesting situation because this offense has a chance to be good enough to where he just needs to create possessions for the offense. Just get off the field. Um, get a sack to force a third and long to get off the field that way. Get an interception. Get a fumble. Something like that. If they can be aggressive and turn the ball over, this might be a defense that gives up an average of 25 points a game, 20, 21 points a game but still could be very effective whenever mixed with the offensive side of the football. It's almost a a, a Lane Kiffin dream scenario. I do think this Pete Golding defense is going to get better as the season goes on. Um, There's just too many weapons. If you look at Ole Miss's activity in the transfer portal, Mm -hmm. Isaac Ukwu, defensive end, to go along with um, Jared Ivey and Cedric Johnson, that's a nice three-headed monster at defensive end. Um, Stephon Wynn, um, Akello Stone um, coming in, playing as the interior defensive lineman to go with players that are already in place. J.J. Pegues, um, Xavion Harris. Um, uh, um, this defensive line has a chance to be very, very, almost, I don't want to say salty, but solid. Hmm. And if you look at the linebacker position, it, Pete Golding got a ton of defensive backs, got a ton of defensive linemen, did not get one linebacker. And we have the five-star player, Suntarian Perkins, who honestly is being comped to Harold Perkins, so you guys um, <laughs> might know what that could be like. Um, but he was the best player in the in the country at the linebacker position. I went down to the Under Armour All-American game. Suntarian was the best player on the field. Whenever they played real football, he dominated. And... I'm just looking forward to see what he can do in an Ole Miss uniform. I mean, he's wearing number four, by the way, at Ole Miss, and Quinchon's wearing number four. Do you think that jersey's <laughs> going to sell a little bit this year? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a be a nice jersey for a lot of fans to take a, take advantage of. You talked about some of the transfers um, and Perkins specifically, but when you look at some of the other names, obviously the secondary. Uh, AJ Finley graduated. Uh, they lost, uh, you know, a pair to the portal, but they get some returning guys at uh, safety. They get Prince back at corner. They picked up some VBs in this portal. How does the back end of this defense look uh, when they're going to go up against some teams that can throw the football for sure? There's Two aspects of this secondary, one that concerns me, one that absolutely does not. I think Ole Miss is fine at cornerback. Um, Zamari Walton, DeAndre Prince. Um, it, my goodness, is Georgia Tech just turning into a farm team? <laughs> it's, it's just it's, crazy to say it over crazy. and over. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, but on the defensive backside at cornerback, I'm not necessarily worried because they can go three deep. Justin Hodges from UCF. Um, players like that have come in to the point where John Saunders is being moved to that free safety position. They're moving a cornerback back to free safety because safety, in my opinion, that's the concerning part. Aishim Young, Ladarius Tennyson, I think they could all fill roles in this defense moving forward. But they were recruited to that 3-2-6, four-safety defense under Chris Partridge. Aishim Young, that is a, that is all he has done into this year. So anybody that says, "Hey, he's going to be a great player," they can't really they can't really guarantee that because I'm. If you listen to my podcast and my everydayers can attest to this, system is everything. It doesn't. There's not no such thing as just a good football player. There's a good football player that does this. That that is how every football player needs to be explained. So whenever you change system from a zone-based 3-2-6 scheme to a man-free-based Pete Golding defense, safety-wise, returning players, that's going to be a little bit of a problem. And take away the quarterback of the defense and A.J. Finley, it's safety, there's some concern there. So I expect them to move John Saunders back there to play the free safety position, and you're going to see, honestly, a cast of characters. Because on the transfer portal in the secondary window, this should give you a clue to what's going on. Um, I, Pete Golding essentially recruited a three deep of college FBS defensive backs that have played um, in the defensive backfield. So that, that can let you know what he is thinking about that part of the field. Now, am I saying it's going to be a bad group? No, all these guys have played. If you get, if you get four guys that hit out of 12, um, you'll, you'll be in good shape. Um, but if the, if you told me there's going to be a problem with this Ole Miss defense, it's on the back end at the safety position. It's going to be interesting to watch how that progresses throughout the season. Obviously, a lot of preseason conversations surrounding that. Steve, I've got the schedule here in front of me. I'm asking every single person we do this with, what is, and we'll start with this one, what is a must-win game that you feel like is on this schedule here in 2023? Let's see. Must-win game, uh, I'm going to say Arkansas. Because if Ole Miss is going to do what it needs to do, um, they need to pick up that win. That that game is also after LSU. It's before that weird trip to Auburn. So if Ole Miss drops Alabama, LSU, drops that Arkansas game with that weird game on the schedule, uh, there, there's a chance for a midseason swoon that would be terrible for a coach that's making $9 million a year in, in the poorest state in the United States of America. So <laughs> there's going to be people pointing to that. But – I think that game, it's always a weird game. I think Ole Miss is a better team than Arkansas. Ole Miss should beat Arkansas in that game. 
So if Ole Miss slipped up and lost that game, they slipped up and lost to Auburn, that that would be a, an interesting situation. The next one we got for you, what's the biggest – and it might be uh, too easy. I don't know. I've, I've heard a lot about this. What's the biggest trap game? Is it the two-lane game? Is it going on the road down to New Orleans? Or is there another one on the schedule for you? No, it's Auburn. It, it's absolutely Auburn. Um, you go through that gauntlet that we just talked about, and then you go to Jordan-Hare. I can almost guarantee that game is going to be at 730 at night. It's going to be an absolute zoo. Hugh Freeze has circled this game. He circled it whenever he was the coach at Liberty and they played Ole Miss. But this game, at home, this is almost a reverse Tommy Tuberville situation, Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with Ole Miss history going to Auburn, to where Ole Miss came over and they were just completely jacked up and they weren't losing that game. I think all of Auburn's eggs are going to be in that basket. Now, the one saving grace for Ole Miss in that situation, and this has nothing to do with talent on the Auburn side of the field, is the fact that Auburn has um, Georgia and LSU prior to Ole Miss. Um, But Hugh Freeze has that game circled. He wants it more than anything else, and especially since Ole Miss and Auburn is not playing in 2024. Yeah, that's a big one right there. That's uh, You talk about the game. We mentioned we talked with Nathan King at 24-7 Sports yesterday talking about what was Auburn's game, and he said his big litmus test game was that game against Ole Miss. That's one that a lot of people, Auburn fans, have obviously circled. You back that up there. What's the game that maybe Ole Miss fans are circling, uh, you know, to kind of say, hey, how do we stack up, you know, this far into the Lane Kiffin tenure against some of the better teams? Is it an LSU? Is it on the road at Tuscaloosa? Uh, is it Georgia, A&M? I mean, who, who is a game that you're circling and saying, this is one where we're going to figure out a lot about this team. I'm going to answer this in two parts. The game that I think Ole Miss fans are circling is the road game at Tuscaloosa because they look at the fact that there's a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, no Bryce Young, all the questions going on, and you play them in September. So you obviously are in the best position to win a game in Tuscaloosa that you have been in recent memory. But me personally, the game that I'm circling is the LSU game. That is the game I always want to win more than any other game on the schedule. Uh, And I will always circle that game because it's just an incredibly fun game. Yeah, it's a fun game for sure. As we kind of wrap up here, obviously the 2024 schedule reveal came out a couple weeks ago. Kind of wanted to get your thoughts. What was the take of the Ole Miss fan base on the schedule they received? And uh, was it was it super excited? Was it disappointed that you're going to miss out on some opponents? But what was kind of the feel, in your opinion, of how the SEC kind of I, – I think they kind of balanced it out, Stephen. What were your thoughts? Um, the permanent rivals, um, the, with it being Arkansas and LSU and Mississippi State, fan bases. Mostly positive with that, although many of them would trade Arkansas for Vanderbilt because we've enjoyed playing Vanderbilt for the last 25, 30 years. Um, But I like that one. Getting Georgia um, in Oxford, that'll be good. That's a a rivalry that used to exist before the SEC went to divisions. Getting Georgia back, if even if it's just a a two-year thing of back-to-back years, that is a pretty cool situation. Oklahoma coming to the Grove for the first time, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and no Alabama, no Auburn, and which I'm assuming that most Ole Miss fans are just thrilled with that one because for whatever reason, the opposite of the Mississippi teams playing against Texas teams is true about the Mississippi teams playing the Alabama teams. It, they don't win much in Alabama. They don't lose much in Texas. 
All right, last question here for Stephen Willis, host of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Stephen, obviously a lot of chatter in the offseason with you mentioned it earlier and hinted at it with Lane Kiffin and the Auburn conversation. Um, I've watched some of your shows on it, especially during that time period. What is the fan base's perspective of maybe not that situation, but Lane Kiffin going forward? I mean, you mentioned and kind of hinted at you can't lose some of these games and be getting paid $9 million in the state of Mississippi. So what is kind of the perception and how far he can take this program? I think he can take this program as far as he wants to take it. I I honestly don't believe it. Now, it's not Texas A&M. It's not Georgia. There's not the – unlimited background NIL that is going to be the cloud over everything. Now, you might be limited by that, but he has found ways during the transfer portal and in recruiting to make this program to have the, a roster that is probably better than any roster that has existed at Ole Miss in my lifetime. It, 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 he, he's built that. He's done that. You have an Ole Miss record where he's like three games below where Johnny Vault was at this same period of time. He is – almost at the point where he needs to just get around the corner, get back to an access bowl, and start getting into that playoff in 2024. I think that is the ceiling um, for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, is just becoming a playoff team and getting in there. I don't know if the SEC conference is something that will ever happen because Alabama and Georgia and all those boys are in there, but I think he can get to the playoff and get there fairly regularly, and we could have a situation to where the Oregon Ducks are playing the Ole Miss Rebels in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, and I think that would get people fired up. And honestly, it would get Lane Kiffin fired up. I, I, I think that would be good enough for him, especially now that he, he's making more money than every coach but like seven coaches in college football. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I love what you said, too. I mean, you have to be realistic about some of the expectations, but for them to get into and maybe be a consistent contender in that 12-team playoff, I, I like what you said. And, two, you know, I, we were joking about it earlier about the Georgia Tech thing, but he really has been creative with the transfer portal. Are you surprised at that, or is that just kind of the nature of Lane Kiffin to kind of, if we can't do it this way, we're going to find a different way to try to get some talent in here to Oxford? Now, I was um, on staff with Ed Orgeron at – um, Ole Miss. And Lane Kiffin comes from that Pete Carroll tree, just like Ed Orgeron, the USC. So I I have a little bit of an insight on the mental capability of, hey, find players. We need to find, do whatever it takes to get this guy. And it was a situation, um, I, I guess it was after Katrina, and Tulane got hit. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, people might remember this, but Ed Orgeron apparently had contacted players um, from Tulane in case Tulane did away at their football program or something like that. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that was the um, story. I was in the building. I didn't know what was going on. But what I can tell you what I was doing was making cut-up tapes on players in 2005 from Tulane. And it, whether or not you morally agree with what happened, my point is, they're willing to do whatever it takes to find the correct players. Mm-hmm. And if that mindset goes to the transfer portal, well, now the same thing that I was upset about doing in 2005 is completely legal. You know that is going on now. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said there with that. Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. Stephen, tell folks where they can find your work, they can subscribe to your channel, and uh, just find you on social media. Yeah, um, you can find the show at the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast on YouTube. Um, We're getting close to 4,000 subscribers right now. 
So any subscription would be well appreciated. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at the Stephen Willis. You can follow me on Threads at L O O L E M I S S. That's L O O Miss. Um, you can catch me there as well. And we try to have a good time. The whole point of this is we want to have fun talking about Ole Miss football. We talk about other stuff as well, um, but we don't want to get into the minutia of all this stuff. I think there's a lot of can't see the forest for the trees that happens in college mm-hmm. sports from time to time, and we just kind of want to get rid of that. You want to have fun and a good time. Appreciate mm-hmm. you coming on. Stephen does a great job with his Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Cannot recommend it enough. Stephen, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate the time, and uh, it's going to be a fun 2023 season. Yeah, it should be a, a lot of fun. A, a lot of fun <laughs> to go. It needs to get here. We're about a week away from Wayne Kiffin taking the stage in Nashville. Which is always a fun time in Nashville for SEC Media Days. This is the Crowded Booth. Ole Miss preview 2023. We're going to be back next week with Kentucky and some SEC Media Day coverage. We'll catch you next time here on the Crowded Booth Podcast.